You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Let's bow our heads and pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Bow our heads and pray. Father, good, good Father. Good, good Father. Thank you for our fellowship. Thank you for our people, our friends that are visiting with us today, and a uh, special prayer for Maurice and Glendy, just starting out a, a brand new life, uh, being engaged. Thank you for uh, our friends here that are visiting. Give them safe travel. And Father, again, uh, bless our fellowship today, all of our relationships. Make them spiritual, healthy, and strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We're uh, starting a new Bible series. We're going to do four weeks, I believe, of Ordinary Heroes. Ordinary Heroes. And um, today we're going to start with Session 1, Sermon 1, Class 1, Getting to Joseph. Getting to Joseph. Now, Joseph is our last main character in the book of Genesis. I think if you're going to really grow and mature as a Christian, you have to understand the book of Genesis. I think a lot of Christians are a little nervous or worried about Genesis because they're afraid they're going to have to defend um, young earth stuff and get into evolution. And that's not really what the book is about. So don't worry about it. In Genesis chapter 1, what we hear is that God is building a world. That's what he's doing. What's there at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1? Nothing. Darkness. Nothing. Darkness. And in Genesis 1 verse 2 it says, Then God you know, spoke light into the world. And we've got the beginning of the story. God building a world. His challenge, the adversary, at the very beginning in verse 2, is darkness. And this is interesting. A lot is being written on this. It's hard to tell exactly what the intent of the writer is. But he uses this word for darkness, tohud. Which is very similar in what we think or speculate a little bit is this, this is that he's... That he's using this word darkness, he's referring to who? To Tiamat. And there's a Babylonian creation myth, and in this Babylonian creation myth, there's darkness, and darkness is represented as this chaotic dragon that consumes all things. Chaos that consumes all things. That's this big, ugly dragon. That's our adversary. And so the writer here uses, sort of intonates, wants the readers not just of the Jewish community, but that larger world at that time to understand, hey, there's somebody that overcomes your darkness. There's a way to build world and get out of darkness. There's a way to get out of chaos. That the story doesn't end in confusion and collapse and being devoured. That the beginning of the story is chaos. And so if you're going through a hard time, you're experiencing some chaos. And most of you are going through some things that you don't have an answer for right now. That's confusing. That scares people. 
That throws us into dark mental states. That's where our stories begin. That's the beginning of a good story. And what's right there at the beginning of this good story? Light, but what's behind the light? God. God is the beginning of all of our stories. God creating light out of darkness. God creating some order out of confusion. God creating some structure, some beauty out of random nothingness that everybody's sort of given up on. That's a good place to be. That's where the stories begin. And that's where our stories always begin. But our adversary is still the same as well, darkness. But now, your darkness is different from the darkness of the person sitting in front of you or behind you. And if you're married, your darkness is different from teens and campus students. And your darkness is different from people that are retired. Everybody's got a different kind of darkness that they're battling. That's the beginning of the story. That's what Genesis is about. Building a world and overcoming darkness. And then the last guy you get to... After all these incredible stories, some good, some tragic, a lot of tragedy in Genesis, is Joseph. And I remember being a young Christian, and we're all super impressed by Joseph. He overcomes so much. But honestly, two, three, four years in, I kind of gave up on Joseph a little bit. He's not as inspiring because he's so good. So you're like, is there a JV guy in the Bible that I can try and be like Joseph's? Too good. Uh, who can be like Joseph? It's almost discouraging. He's so perfect. Is, is there a guy that, you know, blows it a lot and has a lot of problems, maybe stutters and is cross-eyed, and maybe I can be like that guy, you know? Is there, is there a few stepping stones before you get to Joseph? But I think, again, it's the Holy Spirit that gets us to Joseph. Don't be afraid of Joseph. God wants you to believe that at the beginning you start in chaos, but at the end, you can end in Joseph. Now, a lot of us are young and we're like, boy, I'm struggling with a lot of issues in my life. I'm feeling overcome. I'm not Joseph right now. You can end in Joseph. All of us here today can still end in Joseph. And that's one of our big goals, amen? That's what we're trying to do, is overcome, build this world. And our challenge is the same, over, overcoming this darkness. Now, we've got a few things that I think are interesting today in building world. Um, Have you ever played Minecraft? Thank you, teens, right? Thank you, teens. I probably had a campus student or two. Uh, Yeah, a campus student or two, right? And, you know, if you're an adult and you watch your kids play Minecraft, you freak out a little bit. Go, whoa, Junior is totally immersed in Minecraft. What's Minecraft? Isn't he just sort of wasting time with those little blocks on the screen? I mean, what is going on? Minecraft's a cool game because you're world building. And people are confused. I think a lot of adults are confused about, especially young men. Why are, why are, why are young men so overcome, so obsessed with video games? Because in a lot of video games, that's what's going on. They're world building. They're leveling up a character. They're building a wall. They're, build, they're raising up resources and armies and wheat and grain and ships and finding a magic sword and slaying a dragon. And slaying a dragon. Who doesn't want to do that? But their lives, day in, day out, going to school is kind of boring. They don't get to do much world building in um, English lit class. You don't get to do a lot of world building in PE. 
you know, but you go home, you put on Call of Duty, and you get that special gun, and you can lay waste. You're a boss. <laughs> and when you beat a boss, you're the boss. That's awesome. I remember doing um, the marathon back in March, and I found the smallest kid I can find. Um, the schools in L.A. are great. They've got this Run for L.A. program. And so a lot of the inner city schools, the kids can run the marathon for free. And they have these bright yellow, orange, um, green, whatever that color is. Students run L.A. And there's thousands of them running around. And you're running, and, you know, I'm not a runner. I look like a linebacker out there. And I'm dying. And the kids are like bumblebees. They're like hummingbirds. They just zoom in and out, and they take pictures of each other, and they take pictures of themselves. And they stop, and mess around, and there's a band, and they start, <laughs> and they're just not stressed. And I don't know, it's like mile 12, we're in Hollywood, we're in West Hollywood, we're in West Hollywood, and there's a little guy, and he, he's not even breathing, are you? he's not even sweating, I'm like, hi, what's your name? Uh, you know, Jose, cool, Jose, how many times did you run to get ready for this? And he's like, ah, 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 twice, <laughs> twice, I've been training for this for like five months, you know. Twice. I go, oh, that's great. Um, Jose, do you play video games? He's like, yes. I go, what do you play? He goes, Fortnite and Call of Duty. I go, okay, whatever, that's cool. But this, what you're doing right now is awesome. Don't ever stop doing this. And he's like, yeah, this is like my third time running. I've never even been in Hollywood. This is great. <laughs> He's having a life experience. He's having a real world experience. Virtual reality, whatever, it's virtual reality. He's having a real world experience. And parents, I wouldn't kill the kids on video games. It's world building. What, but, but kids, kids, I'm talking to the students, um, young people, don't sacrifice real life experience for virtual experience. It ain't real. It ain't real. It ain't real. I had a client who was going through intense loneliness, intense loneliness. I'm like, who do you talk to? Who are your friends? Oh, I've got three great friends. Yeah, who are they? Um, Bobo42 from Australia. Okay. And Cashmere Kitty from Toronto. Okay. And Wonky Donkey from China. I was like, Wonky Donkey from China, Cashmere Kitty, and Bobo. Who are these, who are these people? Are there people that I game with? Like, oh, have you ever? It might sound silly, but have you ever met these people? Oh no, I don't. I have no idea who they are. Do you know if they're even, you know, male? I no, could be anything. I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but you said you use the phrase best friend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I tell these people anything. They're my best friends. Like, do you think you'll ever meet these people in real life? Probably not. I have no idea. Wow. And I, you've all heard that story, some variation of that story. Um, we're missing out on real life experience. You've got to build, Genesis 1 tells us, you have to build your world. You have to build your world. And you have to live in your world. And if you don't live in a world that you don't feel great about, you're going to struggle. And school isn't really a world to live in. That's a school. And you can't live in the school's world. And you can't live in other people's world. A lot of us live in other people's world. 
You've got to create a world that you want to live in that you feel good being in. That's a lot of what Genesis 1 is about. You're going to fill it out and fill it out with dreams and intention and inspiration, and you're going to put people in it that you love and feel good about and help you with your life, and you've got goals in it, and you've got all kinds of stuff in it. How are you doing in your world? You've got to build your world. It's a really hard thing to do, and that's one of the other great messages, I think, of Genesis. God is God. God is God. How does his world do? Well, my goodness, the first people, chapter 3, we're already, we've blown up the garden, and we've got all kinds of stress in chapter 3. And then the family tries to take the kids to church, Cain and Abel, and one kills the other one. And then you got a flood. I mean, it's all so bad, we've got to start the whole thing over again. Again, the flood's tough, but what's the point of the flood? You can start your story over again. Remember, you can always start your story over again. And Tower of Babel, that's kind of strange, and it's going off, we're off the rails again, and Abraham, and half of that's good, and half of it's really bad, and boy, look at God, God's God. He has a hard time building his world. So what's that tell you? You're going to have a hard time building your world too, but you never stop, and you never sacrifice it for a virtual world, and you never sacrifice it for living in other people's world. That's not going to really work well either. And... Nobody can really give you a world. You can't buy one on Amazon. They don't deliver them. You've got to build, you've got to build your world. That's a big deal. So in Genesis chapter 50, um, let me do this. I'll come back to that real fast. Let me do a quick overview. I redid this whole thing. I sort of reversed the whole sermon a couple of days ago because I was going to go through his life, but it just takes too long. And m- m- most of you are familiar with it. So Joseph's a young man, and he's born in this family with lots of brothers. And mom is married to, um, sorry, dad is married to um, Leah and Rachel, sisters. So already the story's weird, right? And um, Jacob, at times in his life, was an immigrant. He was an outsider. He was an outsider sometimes in our life. We're the outsiders. And he has these dreams, that's sort of his thing, is he can dream. But his dad has this incredible love for him, and the other brothers are jealous. They think that he's kind of a favorite son, and they sell their brother into slavery. Now, there isn't anybody I know that doesn't want to have um, a good home life and good relationships at home. And his story starts with, my dad loves me. And I've got these dreams, and then chapter 2, my brother sold me, and I'm completely on my own in slavery. It's one thing to suffer for doing bad, you know? I mean, when criminals get caught and they go to jail, we sort of go, amen, justice. Some, maybe, hopefully, we pray for justice. But when you do good and you suffer, that's always a really tough curveball for people. He didn't do anything wrong, and he's suffering. That says a lot about our lives, and I'll come back to that later, but it's hard to get through that. Anyway, a guy named Potiphar ends up, he's an Egyptian captain, and he ends up in Potiphar's crew, and he does really great, and Potiphar loves him and becomes really kind of his captain, really kind of his main number two guy. He's entrusted with everything in Potiphar's household except his wife. The wife um, 
has lustful desire for him, pursues him, and he runs out of the house, but she grabs his coat, his jacket, and he's free, but she makes up a story. And Joseph ends up in jail. The second time now that for doing good, he ends up being punished. Wow, he did good. He maintained his integrity. He maintained his purity. And he's in jail. What a reward. What a reward. That's confusing, isn't it? It's not the end of the story. See, a lot of us, we're experiencing things that are sort of confusing. God, I prayed every day. God, I've been sacrificing. God, I've been giving to the church. God, I've been doing good. I've been doing right. Where's the blessings? I feel like I'm being punished for doing good. Or you're not listening. Things aren't, where, where, where are you, God? That's this experience right here. And he goes to jail. Now, if you go to jail, you're not doing good. It's hard to have a good day when you're in jail. And you're trying to figure things out because that's how the brain works. And, you know, if you don't get rewarded or noticed, um, you tend to sort of give up. You ever give up in life? Yeah, I've given up. We've all given up at times. There's times when you sort of give up. I think there's probably some Jim Gaffigan fans, right, in the room. And he says it about McDonald's. When you go to McDonald's and you see people eating at McDonald's, you just look at each other's bellies and you know, yeah, I sort of gave up. Sort of represents that. I quit trying. I'm at McDonald's. I'm not going to do any laps today. But he doesn't have that spirit. He doesn't sulk. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. He doesn't become violent. He doesn't become depressed. It's really remarkable. Again, he's got this gift. He's an incredible organizer, incredible administrator. I think he's probably very charismatic. He's a leader. And, and all of a sudden he gets all this responsibility in the jail, and he's kind of running the jail. And then he's got his dreams still, and he's got to interpret dreams for a couple guys there in the jail, the cup, the cup bearer, and that's the universal sign for cup bearer, um, and the baker. And good news, bad news, you're going to die, and you're going you're gonna to get out of jail, and you're going to do great things. And, and it, this comes true um, for the baker, right? Except the baker was supposed to put in a good word to Potiphar, and he forgot. You ever feel, have you ever felt forgotten by people? This happens. This happens. We feel forgotten, sort of take it personally. Sort of take it personally. Um, I had to do a big marriage counseling with a couple. The guy was so mad because he'd come home from work, and I work all day. And I'm supporting the family. And why doesn't my wife meet me at the door and give me a hug and a kiss? And I'm just furious, and I wanna, I'm critical, and I'm, she should meet me at the door for a hug and a kiss. That's the problem? Okay. I think we can do this. Let's just practice. Why don't we just do that right now? He's forgotten. And he ends up spending more time in jail, more years in jail. So again, now the third time, for doing good, he's punished. He doesn't get rewarded. He doesn't get blessed. So you have to be really careful, because a lot of us, our intention is to do good, so we'll be blessed. He does good, and nothing happens. He does good, and he goes to jail, and he does good, and he gets forgotten. Wow. You have to do good because it's your value. You have to do good because you think it's your spiritual act of worship. You have to do good because it's a God thing for you. You have to do good because maybe you think it's the right thing. 
That's what's happening. And then, of course, he gets out and he becomes the second in command in all of Egypt. Wow, lots of highs and lows. You can do a Psalm 23 out of Joseph's life, right? And I, most of us, we've got, we can relate to all these different chapters. So um, what he says, what he says in Psalm, in Genesis 50, verse 20, is you intended, you intended good, you intended harm. But God meant it for good. You intended harm. But God meant it for good. You're trying to build your world and there's people in your life that aren't supporting you. And maybe they're trying to harm you. I think that's really significant. That's quite a passage. There's a lot in there that's really, really important for us. Intention. Relationships. You and them. Harm. Saving of lives? God meant it for good to save the lives of many is how that passage uh, sort of finishes up right there. And so I want to take the rest of our time and try and go through a few of those things. You intended to do harm to me, but God intended it for good. You never know. It's really hard to tell what others' intentions are, but we always know what God's intentions are. 1 Timothy 2 says it's God's intention to um, that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's his intention. He doesn't wish harm on anyone. His intention is all be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. There's his life again. Intention. What is your intention? Young people, lots of times you don't really know what your intention is because you feel sort of controlled and so your intention is to not get in trouble and to... Not have mom and dad mad at you, or teachers mad at you, or coaches mad at you. But that's not really world-building intention. Young people end up complying a lot, because if I comply, teachers, parents, coaches, they really like me. But again, compliance isn't a good way to build a world. Who builds a world out of compliance? That's never going to work either. What's your intention? What's your real goal? And is that goal rooted in some kind of value, some kind of thing that you really care about? That's what you're looking for. You're looking for intention that's rooted in a value, something you deeply care about. And we've all been given different gifts from God. We're all gifted in certain ways. That's why it was so funny to do the worship group on Wednesday. I'm not gifted in this. But to watch a Nedra who has a gift, does Nedra have a gift in singing church? And to watch her sing with the group was electric. And you tell, whoa, that's a gift. She needs to be doing lots of that stuff with her life. That's worship stuff for her. Um, People that don't have the gift, we still do that, but we call that denial. (laughs) Which you, that's part of world building too. You got to do a little denial as well. But to watch somebody that's gifted in it, you go, wow, that's, that's special. That's, that's really great. There's a, famous German, there's a famous German philosopher, Heidegger, that talks about that. There's, there's a hammer, and there's a hand, okay, um, and he uses this phrase, so I'll have to ask Mark about that, Dasein, Dasein, I'm not sure exactly, Dasein, okay. But when you put the hammer in the hand, wow. And that's what you're looking for in your life. What's your hammer? Get your hand around it and do something with that thing. That's what we're talking about. Dads, that's what we're talking about. Not hammering the kids. But you're trying to build something at home. You're trying to build something at home. 
back to intention, back to world building. A lot of men, we see this, a lot of men, they seem to feel more, they can feel more, it's easy for them to feel more comfortable at work than at home. Have you ever seen that? I think my dad was that guy. He'd go to work, he'd get all energized, he'd come home and look sort of depressed and out of it and just drink. Like, it's kind of weird, but dad goes to work, and he's all fired up, and he's got all this energy. Because a, a lot of men have felt like that before, and women too. Boy, at work, I've got a role, I've got more control, I know what to do with myself, and I'm energized. And I come home, and I don't know what the rules are, and I don't think I'm helpful, and I'm not good at my role, and the thing kind of falls apart. Again, I don't mean to be gendery, sorry, you can correct me later, but many of us have seen a, uh, a, been in a woman's home, and you can tell she's too into the home. It's kind of perfect. It looks like a model home. It doesn't look lived in. And, you know, I always think that, sorry, it's sort of, I was thinking about white carpet. You have white carpet? What are you doing with white carpet? You, do you live in this place? How can you live in a place with white carpet? It's gonna, you don't have kids or a dog or probably live here. Because you have white carpets. That's crazy. But you know what? At home, she might be confused. It might not be going good. But to organize the home, that, okay, now I'm in control. Now I've got some resource. Now I can put a couch here and a table there and lay this thing out. And what does that feel like? World building. It feels like world building. So she's doing the same thing that the kid's doing with Minecraft. See, we're closer to each other than we think at times. We're closer to each other than we think at times. Intention. I want you to think a lot about that. God's intention, again, Genesis 1, was to build a world. I want you thinking about your intention, your dream, your desire. What is it that you want to do in building your world? Now, what messes up our world, people? Oh, this would be so easy if we didn't have people. Get all the people out of this world, and I would do great. For day one. Then day two, I'd get lonely. I felt that. I got in a fight with my mom. We were, we were I was um, 18. I think I was 18. I, I was 18, and I got in a fight with my mom. We were down at UCSD, and I had just transferred from Washington to UCSD, and I was trying to find a place to live, and we were fighting. We were fighting over money. I think we were fighting over money, and I always felt that she was too critical of me. I can't survive. She's just so critical, and she's good with words. Students, you ever feel like that? And I try to have an argument with my mom. I'm not good at words, and so she just crushes me. And I get mad, and I don't know what to do, and so I punch the wall, or I punch the fridge, or I eat a bag of Cheetos. I don't know what to do. And she never stops. She just, bam, bam, and you don't do this, and you don't think about I mean, think for once in your life. Don't you ever think? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it was all melting down, and I just, uh, we were just driving. I don't know how fast, we were going that fast, 20 miles an hour, and I just jumped out of the car. I just jumped out of the car, and I rolled a little bit, and then ran. And I felt awesome. I'm like, yeah, woo I'm out. I win. This round goes to me. This round goes to me. And I see her put on the brakes and put the car in reverse. I'm like, no way, I'm out. And I'm running through the streets, and I can see her, you know, driving up and down the streets. And I jumped over this fence. I'm in this guy's backyard. And then I'm in a storm in Subway, and she goes driving by. I'm like, ha ha, sucks for you. You can't find me. And then she left. 
It's like, oh, cool. Now I'm on my own. This is great. I'm building my world. But I don't have any money. Okay, now what do I do? Uh, there's this homeless guy. The sun goes down. There's a homeless guy. I'm like, Ray. His name's Ray. I'm like, Ray, what do you do when the sun goes down? He's like, oh, there's this little Presbyterian church. You can just sleep in there. I'm like, that sounds cool. And um, go to, come with me to 7-Eleven. I'll buy you some almond crunch, and you can use the little creamers for milk. Don't waste your money on milk. You just take little creamers, and that's how we'll eat our, our meal. Okay? This is working. This is working. I'm still winning. And then I asked Ray how long he'd been homeless, and it was a long time. And I said, Ray, you seem like an awesome guy. Why don't you get a job? And he got super mad at me, screaming at me. And I was like, the devil, and get out of my, get out of here, and chased me out of there. He kind of attacked me. And I, it's like 4 in the morning now, and I'm just walking in San Diego. I'm really hungry, and i got no place to sleep. And so I called home. And my dad answered. <laughs> He goes, what's your problem? Don't you ever think? <laughs> yeah, Mom and I already had this conversation. Jeez, <laughs> well, just where are you? I'm like, I don't know, somewhere between UCSD and SeaWorld. Come get me. <laughs> no cell phones. Like, well, what, what do you see? I'm like, there's a bar. There's people. Okay, just stay out at that bar. I'll find you. Yeah, it's hard. People, sorry, that's a long story. People mess up your world. <laughs> Kids, sometimes... Sometimes parents mess up your world. You can't really build your world because you've got a critical parent. See, I would have felt like my mom was critical, my dad wasn't there, and I felt like I needed him in that world, and he wasn't there. And students, you want to build this world, but you don't feel, you don't feel like you've got the resources or the support to do it. That's really hard to do. You've got to build a world. How are you going to build a world with people that you don't get along well with? And marriage, we're trying to build a world, but what happens in a marriage when you feel like you're irreconcilable differences and there's walls up and there's a lot of reactivity and there's either fighting or no communication, that world's not going well. That's serious business. But your intention, oftentimes the intention is still the same. They want to build a great home and build a great life together. That's hard to do. People mess up people mess this up. What I'd like to ask you to do, though, is to ask people that in your life that you're trying to build a world with, are we okay? Just ask them today. Hey, I'm trying to build a world. You're in my world. Are we okay? Dads, I want you to go home. Ask, the, ask your children. Children, I'm trying to build this world, and obviously you're in it. Are we okay? Husbands, wives, I want you to look at each other. Ask each other, are we okay? Singles, you got relationships, you got people you're trying to build relationships with, you got some people maybe you got some history with. Reach out. Are we okay? And just give people an opportunity to talk and express, you know, I don't think so. And don't tell them all the things that they need to do to, that they need to fix. Just listen. Are we okay? No, listen. Hey, we got to get along, so let's figure this out together, okay? So that's repairing. That's hard, that's hard for us to do. And we'll close here, kind of in the middle of the sermon, but I know this is a good place for us to stop. Intention. We're still on intention. This is the serenity prayer. And a, a famous theologian, Niebuhr, Reynold Ray, Ray, Niebuhr, uh, wrote this. God, grant me the serenity 
to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So I want you to think about your world. There's things in your world you can change. There's things in your world. You can become a better student. You can become a better employee. You can become a better husband. You can become a better wife. You can become a better whatever you're trying to do. You can, you can improve yourself. That's good stuff. That's good material. That's you and God. But other people you can't change. And maybe you're dealing with chronic illness or you've got a debt situation right now that's not going to be resolved overnight. Or you're just sick. God, I'd, I'd like to not be sick, but I'm sick. I don't know how long it's gonna. I don't know how long it's gonna last. That takes some wisdom to know the difference. Okay, if there's something I can't change, uh, chronic illness, I have to learn to accept and be okay and find peace, even though I'm in pain. Married, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play with you or mess around with you. Some of our marriages aren't gonna get resolved in a talk, and you just gotta say that to each other. We're not gonna resolve this in a talk. I can accept that. But my intention is we get healthy and we really build a great marriage in this world that we're trying to do. There's some acceptance in that. Some of us, you know, again, there's people, there's things. Some of us don't like the politics of today. They're, they're difficult. They're super difficult. But you're not going to change a lot of the politics of today as we sit here right now. And so we have to accept some of the ugliness maybe of today. But again, that doesn't mean you agree with the intention of them and you want to do something or have a plan or a strategy about that in the future. Hey, there's something I care about and I want to do something about it. But today I can't do anything about it. I've got to accept it's difficult, find peace, and, and come up with a good strategy or plan for the future. Some of us are here, we've got some parents that have lost children. How do you build a world when you've lost a child? What does that do to your intention? How do you build world after that? But God's gone through that. God knows what it's like to lose a child. And you continue working on this and building, even though there's intense grief there. We have some people that are newly married. We have some newly married. We got some remarrieds. We have some remarried people. And that's challenging. Remarried. Because we're always going, am I like the old guy or the old gal? Or is it all coming together? And that's confusing. That's sort of a new day for us. We've got some remarrieds. That's okay. There's some things about the past you can't change. There's some things about your story and their story you can't change. Don't try and change it. Except what we got today, and we're going to build a great world out of this stuff that we got today. That's what we're talking about. That's where we're going. Uh, saving lives, harm. And this is what ordinary people do, not extraordinary people. This is what ordinary people do. No matter what intends to harm you or, or create chaos, Tiamat, in your world, chaotic darkness is always trying to distort, destroy your world. God's arms have you. No matter what intends to harm you, God's arms have you. It matters not if the world has heard or approves or understands. The only applause we're meant to seek is the applause of the nail-scarred hands, Ron Owens. Let's stand up together. Let's stand up together. We'll just close right there. And um, singers are going to come on up. Singers, come on up. Yep, stretch out there a little bit. Come on up, singers. 
Looking forward to seeing everybody at the uh, midweek today, or midweek today, midweek on Wednesday. Mark, thank you for your communion. Barabbas, let's celebrate that we're free. Amen. And let's look for that applause from heaven and we'll worship together. Amen. God bless you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.